This week's episode of the Living Strong Podcast is brought to you by Canadian Protein. Are you guys tired of spending so much money on your supplements and not getting the best quality out there? Well, Canadian Protein has changed the game. They offer the best quality in supplements and in protein, all in bulk packaging and at a fraction of the price. I've been using their plant-based protein for months now. It's the best tasting protein I've ever had. They have so many different flavors and it's not at all chalky. If you guys want to get your hands on some Canadian protein supplements, head on over to canadianprotein.com and use code LIVINGSTRONGPOD at checkout for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to another episode of the Living Strong Podcast. This week, we sit down with Bethany McChesney, an elite OCR athlete. We discuss with her how she transitioned into OCR racing, how she manages her time between being an elite OCR athlete, a mother of two, and a gym owner, how OCR changed her life, and how she overcomes multiple challenges every day. So guys, this is a very interesting podcast. Hope you guys all enjoy it. Welcome to the Living Strong Podcast. Join us every Thursday as we sit down and discuss with your everyday and professional athletes, trainers, and health and fitness experts. Our goal is to inspire and challenge you to become the best version of you that can be. Welcome back to another episode of the Living Strong Podcast. Today, my guest is Bethany McChesney. Bethany, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So, uh, Bethany is an OCR athlete, uh, a mom, a gym owner, and multiple other things. And we're going to dive into to see how Bethany deals uh, with all these aspects of her life and how she lives a strong life uh, and how she gets things done. So, Bethany, give us a bit of a about yourself. Give us a background of yourself. Um, okay, so I'm a mom of two. I have a six and an eight-year-old. Um, I own a gym now, so I actually went to school and I was an elementary school teacher for a while, and then I uh, started some mom and baby boot camps when I was nice. off with my kids, and then my gym and my clients just kind of grew from there, so then I stepped back to teaching, and then I've just recently expanded uh, my gym out to a new facility, so that's just been growing, and yeah, and I've been an OCR athlete for the last two and a half years now. Nice. And before uh, becoming an OCR athlete, were you competitive in running or any other sports or was like you started the gym and that was just it? Yeah, no, I've been a competitive runner my whole life. I did a lot of sports growing up, but running became my passion in university. So I ran varsity cross country and track and field. And then after university, I switched to running road races more competitively and outdoor track stuff. And then um, it was after my second was born that I was just plagued by so many injuries. So then I started rock climbing as an outlet that wasn't going to aggravate any running injuries. And I just totally fell in love with rock climbing. So when running kind of came back and the injuries were uh, settled, then I just was looking for something that allowed me to use my new strengths from rock climbing and my running. And then I stumbled on OCR 
And that year, we actually found that Worlds was in Collingwood, which is close to us. So I signed up for some races that could potentially qualify me, and I won the first race I entered. So I did. <laughs> it so was like I, then I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, and, and then uh, I went to Collingwood. That was the year um, it was at Blue Mountain in Collingwood, and Worlds just totally destroyed me, like rocked my world. <laughs> Yeah. And just, I gained such a respect for the level of athleticism it takes to be a good OCR athlete. You just you can't get away with just being a good runner or having some grip strength. Like it was a totally different um, level of athleticism. So I just I knew this is something I have to try because it would just completely bring my um, my fitness to the next level. So I took it more seriously my training after that. So after Worlds or after your first, uh, your yeah, first race? Yeah, after Worlds. After Worlds. Yeah. So you did how many races between the first race and Worlds? Um, I did one race. And, uh, I did three races. Three races? And did you like, podium all three or just? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, but they were smaller ones um, in Canada. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I just didn't know what to expect with Worlds. And just even... The difference with Spartan racing, where you fail an obstacle, you do burpees, um, I could kind of catch up with my running. But with OCR Worlds, because it's mandatory obstacle completion, yeah. way more rigs and upper body stuff, I just was not physically prepared for it. No. So, well, it takes uh, at, after two races going into Worlds, it's uh, it's already a, a big a big leap. But the fact oh, yeah. that uh, yeah, you did it is awesome. And uh, so you said that's about two two uh, two years ago you started the OCR. Yeah. yeah. And since then, uh, have you been branching out to other uh, OCR races other than Spartan and uh, Worlds, or uh, you still stick um, with those two? Mostly or? Spartan. We focused on, but around us, that's the biggest races are Spartan yeah. races. We did a Savage race last year. Okay. Um, because we were going to Noram, so OCR Norams, and just knowing it's a lot more obstacle intensive and Savage is a lot more, um, the rigs are more intense and it's mandatory obstacle completion. So I did one of those. I really like that one actually too. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, but mostly just Spartan races. And, uh, okay, cool. And we all talk, uh, like uh, I had a bunch of Spartan racers and OCR uh, athletes on, and we all talk about like their first race and that feeling after uh, finishing the race. Can you describe that a bit to us, that feeling of uh, how, how it felt and how it, like that actually uh, made a snowball effect into you getting and going into more races? Yeah. Um, so it's funny, like my first ones were sprint distances. So like five, six K. And uh, I just remember coming to the last little bit of the races and just thinking, oh my gosh, when is this going to be over? <laughs> this is so long. <laughs> and I'm like, how do people do two of these in a day? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, two in a weekend, and then how on earth does someone do a beast? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then now I'm doing beasts and then sprints or whatever in the same weekend, and fine. And I was just destroyed by like a sprint distance. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and uh, so you mentioned doing uh, uh, beasts and sprints in the same weekend. Do you specialize uh, in, in distances now, or do you just go for the all, like, all three uh, lengths? Um, yeah, I really do like the beast. I think because okay. running my background, so the more I can run in a race, the, the better, better it is for me. you. Yeah. Um, obstacles would still be my weakness. Um, so I do, I like the beast and endurance 
for me. I've done like half marathons would be one of my favorite road racing distances. Okay. So Nice, as far as the distance is concerned, um, is definitely more where I would be better. Nice, nice. And so we all know that the OCR. Uh, The, the, the training for OCR takes a lot of time uh, on LS and you mentioned that you have two uh, young ones of six and eight. So how do you, do you manage that to have, be able to train, uh, owning the gym, uh, doing your training, taking yeah. care of the kids and all that? How does, how yeah. do you juggle all these things? Yeah. So it involves a lot of creativity. Um, I find in some ways I, Because I do, I own a gym. Um, I'm a business owner. I, I have choices in my schedule. For sure. So especially this last year where I really wanted to focus on bettering myself in the sport, I have designed my schedule. So I have a block of time every day for training. So I can do that. Um, I also, when uh, after my second was born, we moved closer to family. Okay. So they play a huge part for me in yeah, being able sure. to do what I do. So they're big supporters and they do watch my kids a lot when we do big training sessions or we go away for uh, weekends. So, and my husband's an OCR athlete too. Oh, so cool. we have to juggle both of our training. So, and even just, you have to get babysitters sometimes. Like for I think sure. if, you, if you make it a priority and it's kind of a non-negotiable, you figure out how to make it work. Um, we also always, there's times when we'll do workouts in the front yard and you're doing intervals down the street and the kids are playing and yeah. you have kettlebells and sandbags and stuff. So you just have to be really open-minded and just be creative and consider it a non-negotiable and figure out how to make it work. Even yeah, if you're sure. doing a circuit in your living room with a kettlebell, like I think with kids, you just think anything Anything is, if you're time pressed, anything is better than nothing. So That's if it's a three sure. minute circuit, when kids are in bed, then you do what you can. So cool. And uh, how does your, your, your workout week look? How many runs do you schedule? How many uh, uh, trainings do you have? What, uh, what does it look like? Yeah. What does it change every week or so? Yeah, it just gets more depending on the, on the phase in the season, obviously, more or less. So I, I train, I train six, seven days a week. I try to take one rest day. My rest day still usually involves mobility or yoga. Um, but I would run for sure six days a week. One of them being a long run. I do at least hills at least once a week nice. um, and speed intervals once. So the other ones would just medium runs. Um, and then I try to do strength stuff three or four times, which is usually just a total body circuit at the okay. gym. And then those days always include grip training as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we I do that. once a week, I do an OCR simulation workout. So okay. at my gym, we have a rig, we have a rope oh, cool. climb, we have weight hoists outside. Um, so we do a workout once a week where we have running intervals and then with an obstacle simulation type thing at oh, the gym. That's so, really cool. And uh, speaking of your gym, is your gym uh, more of a uh, OCR um, gym that the, the trainings that you do with your clients are specific or not specific, but are in line with OCR training, or it's a more of a one-on-one -on -one personal training? Uh, it's 99% group training. So group training? It, it is a group training facility. Uh, it's functional fitness training. So okay. in that way, it is kind of OCR-like. I have a lot of my clients who are training for OCR. I think we had 25 people this year at the Toronto Spartan. Wow. Um, so yeah. And we have the rig and the rope climb. And so it helps. Yeah. 
sand bags and kettlebells a lot. We don't do a ton of barbell stuff. So that in that way, it is much more of a functional training facility. So oh, that's cool. OCR type workouts. Yeah. And how, how is it uh, being a gym owner? Like how is that the, the feeling of seeing your clients uh, come in uh, with a goal and then a couple months on the line, a couple years on the line, they achieve their goal and it was thanks to you and your training yeah. and all that. It's pretty awesome. We have such a great community at the gym. And I think that's probably one of the best things that what I do is you're always surrounded by people who are working towards goals, which is kind of unique for the general population. Um, and they're just such a big support of each other. A lot of them are moms. I think because I started with a mom and baby boot camp, and I still do that. A lot of my clients are moms. So they all kind of have the same struggles. So they come in and they're supporting each other towards their goals. And we're big on goal setting. We have our goal setting wall and uh, everyone's working towards something. So even if it's not a race, they're still, they have their goals in mind. Um, so yeah, it's a neat environment and it's such a big support for me too. because they're always, they know what I'm training for. They'll help me even just training with them. Even you don't have to be at the same fitness level, but doing those race simulation workouts with them um it's just it's it's really awesome for the support network that i have for sure for sure and also helps owning a gym so you have a gym to go work out (laughs) (laughs) that's i think one of the perks of being a gym owner for sure yeah and um so do do your do your kids uh do any races or they're still too uh too young for that yeah they do yeah they have the last two years actually so the kids races they love them (laughs) I wish there was more around me, but yeah, they train. They we have a little kids group at the gym too. Okay, cool. That's so nice. They train for it, and yeah, they love it. Nice, awesome. That's really, really cool. And so, if if we have to look back at everything that we, we spoke about, the, the where I, where I see a big change in your life is when the OCR came into it, and that two year transition, and then the gym and the kids and all that. So, like, mm-hmm. if you would have to. Uh, discuss like talk about how OCR changed your life and uh, how like how would you how would you tell us how like let me rephrase the sentence mm-hmm. how did OCR change your life and why did you decide to go down that path why didn't you uh, decide to stick with that just the running like when you got back able to running why didn't you just yeah. decide to go back to running and stuff why did we, we spoke about the first race but why did you keep on going what made you want to continue it yeah I think one of the biggest changes for me was coming from a track and road racing background was um, the mentality of smaller is faster. So you're, and I being a stronger built runner, I, there was always this pressure that I felt anyways, and with just needing to be smaller. And I think, and it's kind of this thing that always weighs on you and it's totally, it's just a, it's a, it's not reality in the end, but, uh, just, um, it's more of a mental struggle. And I think when I switched to OCR, I was suddenly like, I need to be stronger being smaller when, and then it releases that mental pressure. And so even things like, like, you know, dialing in on your nutrition, because now I'm, I'm eating cause I need to be stronger and like, gaining weight isn't even a problem. Like it was benefiting me. So I think it helped me a ton mentally, um, to kind of take that, like the issues I was having with, um, 
like body image um, went away with switching to OCR. That's interesting. I like that. Maybe we could talk a bit about that. Like how, Mm -hmm. like just because of the aspect of the sport and how you have to be physical for that sport, did that go go away? It's just because of that? Like that's really interesting because a lot of people deal with that. Like, you know, image, I have to look like this, I have to be like that. But if you look at OCR athletes, they're, not, not all of them are super, super fit, but not all of them are super, super big and stuff, but they all get the job done. So, like, it's cool how yeah. the OCR athlete doesn't have a... Well, we do have a physique, but there's... I yeah, much, one size fits all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the cool thing about the sport because it it draws people from all different types of backgrounds. So everyone comes into the sport with different strengths. You don't have to be a runner to be a good OCR athlete. So even the different bodies in OCR and you stand on a start line and you, you could, you, everyone could look totally different and it doesn't matter what you look like necessarily. Everyone's fit, but it's not the small skinny guy who's going to be the fastest. Like everyone's strength balances out. You need to be strong. You need to be agile. You need to be good on technical terrain. So it's not just the, the runner, the runner body type that does well. So you, to, you have to be strong too so I think it's it's one of my favorite things about the sport people can come in who were a hockey player before or a cyclist and all their strengths work yeah and, which means you also get to train in so many different ways yeah. so everyone's you have to get stronger you have to get faster but it doesn't necessarily mean that we all end up looking the same no for sure what I really like about the sports is that uh, like you mentioned, it's the training of it. Uh, there's so many ways to train for OCR. You could train, you, you could put a majority of your time in the running and, and try to get as fast as possible and then just do some uh, minimal grip work and minimal strength work, just enough to, to complete a race. Or you could go full grip and everything because you want to get stronger and everything and do minimal running. And that's how, at first, I had it. Uh, like when I signed up for my first race, it was okay, in my mind, okay, I just need to, to get my strength up. I just need to get my strength up. But I didn't do any running until like a month before the race. Yeah. And I realized, oh, you know what? I need to, to what, I can't just focus on one goal. I need to do all kinds of trainings. And that led me into group trainings. That led me into uh, Yancey camp. That led me to uh, mm-hmm. hosting a running club. So like, I find that all uh, the fact OCR is one, one sport, but, the, the pathways like you mentioned to get there and the types of trainings that you could get to get there a mountain climber with a good running background like yourself mm-hmm. elite OCR athlete right so it's yeah. just it's crazy how everyone has their uh, their story their background and it's like there's not two of the same in the sport right yeah say, which is really yeah. cool and I I train some athletes I coach some athletes um and based on their background it totally changes how they train I have athletes who come from a bodybuilding background and you don't need to lift the weight. (laughs) No. They're a joke to you. So like, let's just get you running and some grip strength or someone who was a rock climber, competitive rock climber. They probably don't need to do that much. grip. No, exactly. Like they might need to be doing way more lifting. So yeah, it just, the training is, there's just, there's no one size fits all whatsoever when it comes to the training which makes it really fun because you don't really get bored at all with training. No, for sure for sure and that's and that's what i i love about it is you don't get bored like I, i'm building myself right now a home gym right mm-hmm. and like i have the minimal amount of equipment possible for home gym but every workout is different 
I have a pull yeah. bar, I have the treadmill, I have a bike, I have a, a slam ball, I have some weights, I have some sandbags, and I'm making do with what I have. You, for OCR, like you mentioned, you don't need a full-pledged uh, commercial gym. You could go like no. your, with a gym like yourself with a group workouts. You could just uh, grab a rock and start running with it. There's so, there's so much you could do to train yeah. for it that you don't need to go to that, that commercial gym and spend that kind of money uh, to get into becoming an OCR athlete. Yeah. Which I find is really good for the sport. Uh, it helps out uh, build the sport as well. So mm -hmm. you are um, a Canadian, and we're going to touch a bit about this because we are going into the new OCR season, Spartan Race season for mm -hmm. uh, 2020, and Spartan Race US is going to be taking over. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts, and how do you feel about that? Do you feel like it's going to, uh, the races are going to change a lot? Uh, to become more like the U.S. races, or you think there's still going to be that ca Canadian vibe to it? And uh, do you think it's going to attract more people to come to races as well? Um, I think the shift was necessary because just having done some U.S. races and then doing the Canadian races, there's such a difference now. It just started to get further and further apart. Even with all the new obstacles that were released this year and we weren't seeing in Canada. No, for sure. Peter and Twister. And um, so you, if all you were racing was Canadian races and then you go to do championship races in the States, now you have half a dozen obstacles you've never seen before. And even the difference in the weights of things, yeah. you know, coming from Canadian races, the sandbag carry in Canada was not a sandbag carry in the no. U.S. No. So it just, it, it kind of shocks you in a way. Um, so it was necessary um, just to keep up with times. Um, so in that way, I'm excited about the shift. Even things having to do with uh, social media. Canadian races were getting zero attention. I could win two races in a weekend at the Toronto Spartans um, in Brimacombe and there was nothing about it at all. Yeah. And then I go and I race Palmerton and I podium in Palmerton and it's all over the place. Like, no, so for it's sure. so different. So in that way, the environment was quite different. Um, I think to you, uh, the Canadian races in some ways weren't challenging people anymore. So then numbers start to drop. I know Duntroon, uh, the numbers were so small this year and yeah. I think, you know, people just, they did it once and it wasn't, they were looking for the next thing. Um, and same thing with, prize money yeah that's the difference too so i'm hoping that that also changes in the canadian races equal to the american races um yeah because we have some amazing locations for the races we do the whistler one and uh in collingwood like you're beautiful locations for races so yeah. hoping to them that some of the u.s athletes will come up now because it wasn't really worth it for them to come up before no. Um, so maybe now they will some of our races as well. And then that'll just help the competition level in yeah. Canada too. And I also find that it's going to like the Canadian races had somewhat of a festival area, but it wasn't as compared to an American race. Like, Oh no, nothing, at all. <laughs> nothing uh, like it at all. So no. like, I, I really hope that that, that aspect of the, the race gets, gets brought into to Canada as well, because that's, also what builds the community and makes people like, oh, it was so fun. The race was fun. Yeah. The, the, the experience, of the experience was, was, was amazing. Yeah. So I'm going to sign up for another one, right? And yeah. the more people sign up, the more races will end up having throughout the year. Right. Um, 
cool. What was your, uh, so you mentioned you did uh, US, you did Canadian. Uh, I know you did some uh, worlds and all that and championships. Mm -hmm. What was your uh, favorite race experience and what was your worst race experience? Um, so I did my first US race in Palmerton this year. We wanted to see the new obstacles, what's the difference. Um, and I loved it. We picked one intentionally that was part of the mountain series. I love racing in the mountains. I love the long climbs. Palmerton was known for the long climb. Um, I had a great race, um, obstacle or sorry, burpee free race. Always feels good. Um, and I got to see a lot of the girls who are racing more in the U S and, um, I ended up finishing third there, which was, I, my goal was always the podium and I did, and I was pretty happy about it. Um, and then that, so that probably would have been one of my best experiences and then getting to see just the difference in the U S races and the whole environment. Thing. Yeah, sure. Um, and then I also, Toronto was really fun this year because I had a ton of people from my gym there and it was their first Spartan. So it was really exciting. Yeah. I double, uh, I won both days in that weekend. So I was feeling pretty good about that. Um, my worst experience, I don't want to say worse because I think it's, everything is a learning experience, but True. I did go to world this year and I went to Tahoe and I was not prepared at all for, uh, the elements. It was minus 10 crazy winds. There was two water obstacles on the top of the mountain. And I've, I've never done anything like that before. And, uh, I, I never really gave the respect that it deserves to what happens to your body when you get wet and yeah. freezing. And I also, I attempted a pinger with totally numb hands and I fell in and I was fully submerged. So I ended up going really severely hypothermic and I oh, couldn't wow. the race. So I, I learned a lot about the importance when you're in those kind of conditions of what you wear and the planning when it comes to preventing things like going fully under in a water obstacle. And, uh, so in, and I, I just kind of thought, Oh, like you're going to get really cold and it's going to suck that you can power through it, but it just, it doesn't work that way at such extreme temperatures. So that was a huge learning curve for me. And, uh, it, it so in that way it was a, good experience because good I think yeah. they're necessary to learn at some point when you're doing a sport that challenges you to such extreme levels. Um, it's too bad I had to learn it at such a big, important race, but I think sometimes that's when you do learn those kind of lessons too. So yeah. And learning yeah, the so, lessons is, is what's part of the sport as well. Right. Uh, yeah. For, for myself, when I started racing, I wasn't able to rope climb and I learned about the S hook and the J hook and, that got me, maybe it was my second race I was able, but my third race I was able. So the mm -hmm. the learnings, each race gives you gives you learnings and that's what's great about the sport as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to clarify, because I, I thought of something in my mind and I wanted to clarify it with you. So when you started OCR, you started right away into the elite? So that, yeah. that wow. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the first I hear, actually. It's usually, oh, yeah? yeah, usually... The, the people that I know of and, and all that, they always start off uh, in an open and then they get the bug, they do a, probably their first trifecta and then they switch into their elite or age, uh, age group. Yeah. 
That's really cool that you started right off the bat into a new sport for yourself and you just start off with it's really interesting to, to see. Well, I, I'm a competitive person, so I was more worried that I would do an open race and regret not just trying a lead. Yeah, that's so. true. Uh, if you were phys- if you were at the physical uh, uh, fit, if you were fit enough to, to do it, then why not? Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a chance of getting podium, right? So might as well <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah. So uh, in in everyone's life, we always face and we always uh, get challenged, faced with challenges and all that. And the fact that you had, like you mentioned, injuries uh, after your your second uh, uh, birth and that you weren't able to run uh, the, the Spartan race uh, of Tahoe experience that you just uh, spoke to us about, all these uh, from going from elementary school teacher to a gym owner and all that, how uh, do you overcome and how do you face these challenges and like what's your your game plan when you see it when you get faced with a challenge? What how do you think and how do you power through it? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I've definitely mindset is everything, and I've come to realize having many obstacles in life that I've had to face is that it they're inevitable. And I think the worst thing you can do is start thinking, why me? Or life's not fair. Or this situation's not fair. Or it wasn't fair that I got hypothermia. Or no one taught me about this. Or But I think when you, the first thing you have to do is take ownership. And then start thinking, you have to start planning how to get through it. And I think one of the things that I've always done is I look to people who've been in those type of situations. And then... I, I read a lot. So even reading about inspiring people who've gone through things that are the same or worse, and you can always find someone who's gone through something worse. Yeah. And they've got through it always. So then realizing tough times never last. The things will always, they can always get better. And um, you just have to keep doing the things that you can control to get through them. And in the end, everything is a learning experience. So we always, I also believe we always go through through things for a reason. So I always try to find the reason as to why am I going through this? What have I done to contribute to this? And then what do I need to do now to make sure either it doesn't happen again or what can I learn now if it does happen again? So I think spending time processing those kind of challenges and learning about them and learning through them is probably what I've always done when it comes to things that are challenging to me. That's really cool. It's uh, some really awesome tips. And we'll probably get back to them later on in the, mm-hmm. in the podcast. Um, so you, you mentioned that uh, you went, you did your uh, the U.S. race this year, you did Tahoe this year. Uh, uh, so what's what's in line for next year? Have you set up your uh, your race schedule, or you're still taking some time to think about it? Yeah, I haven't really made um, hard decisions about next year. I don't think it's going to world will be in Tahoe next year. Um, I don't know hundred percent if that would be my focus next year. I, they had mentioned at one point that Abu Dhabi was bidding on worlds, okay. uh, for Spartan. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to going to Abu Dhabi. We actually lived in Dubai for a few years. Oh, wow. So it'd be kind of neat to go back to the United Arab Emirates. Um, but I, next year also OCR worlds is in Stratton, Vermont. Yeah. With, we raced in Stratton, Vermont twice for Norams and we love the location. The mountain's beautiful. 
Um, I've had decent races there. So that might be my A race next year for um, if I was looking at where my race season was going to focus. Um, I think this year I focused totally on Spartan. And I think next year I'll probably put in some different races. Like I mentioned, Savage or... I don't know. Uh, we'll look and see. There isn't as many options, I don't think, anymore. No. Um, Which sucks, of, but... Yeah. Yeah, so I'll see. I'll do the regular ones that I've always done. Toronto Spartan, um, maybe Ottawa. I don't... I, I haven't totally looked at the schedule. There's not that many. They, they, they released, which I found weird, is I was looking maybe a couple of weeks ago on, on the website, and they released, like, they released like almost 12 dates. And then you go back on the website, now there's only four or five it's like pre-released and then they're like oh no wait we can't release these dates yet and they took everything because like i I, when i saw that list i started making okay i want to hit this race i want to do that race so i started making a schedule on my end and then i went back just to confirm stuff and they're not there anymore like oh man (laughs) so i find with the the canadian series they change it up till february or march of the year so it's so hard to plan. Things are never seem to be set in stone. But even on the U.S. side, I saw a post that uh, they changed uh, locations of some races as well. So like everything people oh. booked already, like I'm talking early season of 2020, people booked locations for certain races and the race the same weekend but changed location, maybe like an hour out or whatever. Oh. So like people started. Uh, I saw a post of someone complaining. How does that make sense? Uh, if you don't know, the, if you're not like, if you if just but to be confirmed or something, right? Don't uh, don't tell personal locations. We start booking stuff, which yeah. I find really odd. But huh. how many uh, how many races do you do a, a year if you uh, if you do mostly Spartans? Yeah, this year we, I raced the most I've ever raced for okay. or probably ever. Um, we did I don't know seven or eight. OCRs? Yeah. I don't know the exact number. We raced a lot in the summer. I did four or five just in July. Yeah. Um, yeah, so probably seven or eight. And then, okay. and then do you do, because <clears throat> you said you have a, a background in road racing and trail and all that, do you do any road racing, trail races, or stuff like that just to compensate yeah. like as a trail? Yeah, we started the season off with a half marathon in early March. So it, it's still, it, it kind of forces you to keep your mileage up in a way yeah. if you put something on the schedule. There really only is road racing around here that early. So we did a half marathon on the roads early March and then uh, some trail races. I love trail racing. I'll still probably do another one or two trail races this season. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we still do that. We did some adventure races too. Actually, we did uh, an orienteering race oh, cool. last year in the winter, which was really fun. And I might do that one again. Um, and then we did a trail relay. So it was 120k relay oh. race. It was fun. Team stuff is really cool, which you don't always get in sport. No. So we've done some trail relay stuff. That's really cool. And what's uh, what's the brand of the trail relay uh, race they're doing? It's called Trail Fix. Chill fix okay I've heard. it was the first year they've done it okay yeah and it was fun i don't i don't know the organization it might have been part of the don't get lost series okay and that's all ontario uh, based uh, stuff i'm guessing yeah bruce okay. trail area stuff which is area that's a lot <laughs> huge yeah. area but it was not, yeah part of it was on the bruce oh very very cool that's really uh that's that's awesome that there's like even in quebec we have um 
uh, fun run or something that they're starting a bunch of different obstacle races. And a lot of them, like they have the Northern Man race, that some of the obstacles are actually at the World Champions and all that. So yeah. that's really cool. Have you done any of those kinds of races in Quebec? Northern? Yeah. No, they, they were supposed to have one here closer to the, in yeah. like in the area and then it got pulled. So we had oh, actually really? do that one this year. Oh, wow. But. Yeah, I know they had one, uh, the, well, there we were to, according to this on the seventh, I think it was the, the fourth or the, no, the fifth in uh, Quebec, uh, well, Quebec, Montreal, north. So yeah. like really high up in the mountains there, but. Uh, apparently I didn't have, I didn't race it but apparently it was really uh, was really interesting it was really cool so it's good that there's these new brands coming out and trying to build a name for themselves it also sucks that there's all these other brands that are kind of shutting their door down right so right yeah at least Spartan is is staying steady in some sort of way and they're uh, they're probably gonna yeah. put hopefully more money into it and more getting more sponsors and turn it more into like the U.S. style in Canada and it's going to bring a lot more people into the, into the sport. Yeah. Um, so you, you, we spoke a bit about the, the challenges and how you overcome them, but what would be three tips that you could give the audience that they could implement into their life so they could start becoming stronger and living a stronger life and becoming a better person? Um, I think one of the most important things that I've realized in my life is surrounding yourself with like-minded people. I think we're so easily uh, influenced by who is speaking into your life. So it's really important the kind of people that you're surrounding yourself with. Um, and it's important that they understand your goals and they understand the importance of them. So I know I mentioned the community at my gym and we have this uh, like a general mentality of chasing things that crazy goals and dreams. Yeah. So surrounding myself with those kind of people in a way, it never makes my dreams seem crazy because they're just like, go for it. Like we'll make it work. Even with Tahoe, they knew my, one of my dreams was to go to the Spartan world championship. So they're like, you're going and we're going to fundraise. And oh, so wow. it's people like that who really cool. couldn't do what I do if I didn't have people like that. In my yeah, for sure. So, for sure. Yeah. And, um, so who you surround yourself with totally important. My, my husband is a big supporter too. So he'll find babysitters to make sure I can train and, so it's people that understand and support your goals and they understand the importance of them to you. So they know if this, if you know, you didn't achieve a goal that to not just be like, Oh, get over it, move on to understand the, like the mental aspect of yeah. that whole side of things too. Um, uh, what else? So surrounding yourself with, and then I think with overcoming challenges to, I think it's always important to look at all the different aspects of your life. I think, especially in a sport like OCR, um, and then again, taking ownership for things. So if you look at sport and being an athlete is not just the training um, and what you're doing in training. I think you have to look at so many other aspects. For sure. Your new, what's your nutrition like? Are you sleeping? Are you taking care of those little tweaky things that are coming up? Are you getting doing your rehab, all the little things, even your mindset, where's your mind at? Are you, maybe you need to see a sports psychologist and work on that aspect. Cause that's a huge aspect. if yeah. not one of the most important when it comes to being an athlete. So where's that at? Um, 
or is it, would it help you to get a coach to kind of get feedback on what you're doing? Like, I think with everything that we face, it's always an opportunity to get better. So always evaluating and checking in on all of those little things. Cause in the end, it's the little things that become the big things. So it's not just about the training. For sure. Cool. And then we have, do you have one more that uh, we could share? So we had uh, surround yourself, look at all the aspects of your life and uh, for whatever you want to do. And that would be the last one. Um, I think also reminding yourself that we do this because we love it. So this is supposed to be, you know, in the end, it's, it's for fun. So when it comes to your training and racing, always remind yourself that it's a blessing that we get to do this. We have able bodies. We all have struggles physically, but in the end, I always think there's a thousand people that would be doing what I'm doing if they could, but for some reason they can't. So keeping a positive mindset about the blessing it is that we're able to do what we do. And then I think it puts our obstacles and our struggles in perspective which is always good to check in on to like what's the magnitude that we're holding this obstacle at. And is it really worth that? That amount of time and effort (laughs) when you could put on something else, that's probably more worth what you like more towards your real goals afterwards. Right. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that. So thank you uh, so much, Bethany, before we end the show, uh, you want to share uh, your social media with uh, the followers so you could get uh, some people to, to check up on, on all your race stats and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so on Instagram, my Instagram is Bethany and yep. then McChess, M-C-C-H-E-S. Part of my last name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you just have the, the, the Instagram. That's how uh, people, if they want to reach you, that's the best way to reach you. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So I'll put that in the show notes, guys. And what's, I don't think we went through it on the, 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 the podcast, but what's the name of your gym? Oh, Fit Farm. Fit Farm? Does, does that have a Instagram as well? or? Yeah, it's Fit Farm Strathroy. Fit Farm Strathroy. So I'll add that as well into the, the show notes if ever there's some listeners sure. around your area that want to yeah, pick yeah, up your for gym sure. for sure. So thank you so much. Uh, I'm uh, happy you were part of the podcast. Uh, I learned a lot from you, and I hope a lot of the yeah the listeners learn a lot from you as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll keep in touch, and uh, we'll speak to each other soon. Thank yeah, you, everyone. Thank you, for, thank you, everyone, for listening. Keep living strong. If you guys like this episode of the Living Strong Podcast, don't forget to like, comment, and share wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It would help us out so much. Thank you and keep living strong. Thank you for listening and being part of the Living Strong podcast. Till next time, keep living strong.